Welcome to Word of God Broadcast with Pastor Opie Swells from Multitudes Church in Laurenburg, North Carolina. Our prayer is that your heart will be like moistened soil, ready to receive the seed from God's Holy Word. Now, today's message. We were down the street at Springfield uh, preaching and our students were leading worship. And I, I made mention of two young men because of the group that I was talking to. One of them was a little boy that had five loaves and two fish. And then another boy wound up with a slingshot in his hand. And I read that story then, but I read it again on Monday, uh, that following Monday. And I have looked at it many times over the past two and three weeks. And God laid this on my heart so heavy that I'm at a place right now where I just, I, I want everybody in the church to get a hold of this today like it's gotten a hold of me. But I want as many people outside of the church. that And, and I see my brother Billy back there. And I want you to continue to remember him in prayer, all right? And everybody else in here that just needs God to move in your life. Will you just raise your hand if you need God to move in some way in your life? God, thank you so much that there is victory in the name of Jesus. And I give you praise. Amen. I'm going to start talking about after David was already anointed, and he was going up against the famous battle that we all know about. And we're going to start in the 19th verse of 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now today you need to, you need to read along with me if you're going to get the most out of this. And I'm going to tell you that, and I can't see anybody. I don't know if I'm on Joshua or Holden or if I'm with Logan, but I got four eyes, they tell me, so I'm looking at all three cameras right now. And I just want to tell you that are online, I cannot see you, but you're going to have to fight to get this today because he's already made sure that I have known before I walked to this pulpit, he's going to do everything to derail this message and from you getting it. But we're going to prove him wrong today, right, church? Because this is food like no other. So verse 7, verse 19 says, And Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight. And shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And he talked with them. And behold, there came up the champion. Now, if you're the champion, that means you've already won. 
many, many battles, and you've already won many, many tournaments if, if you're the champion. doesn't just mean you're a fighter or you're a player. It means you've already proven that you've earned the title champion. And so he saw the champion, the Philistine of Gath. His name is Goliath, by the way, for those of you that don't know that. And he's out of the armies of the Philistines, and he spake according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. Verse 25 says, And the men of Israel said, Have you seen the man? Think about that for a minute. They went to David and said, Have you seen the man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free. In Israel. And I'm going to stop right there. And I want to go back to verse 25. And if Derek will just keep that on the screen for a little while, I want to just go ahead and come straight out of this gate right now and tell you that there is a so called champion that has won a lot of victories in a lot of people's lives. He's already won over in a lot of homes, in a lot of marriages. He's won over in a lot of churches. He's won over in a lot of people that were at one time sold out to Almighty God. Not calling names here, but Angie just told me of a lady that many of you that follow gospel music would probably know that just got remarried because her husband, who was, in my opinion, a very gifted, anointed man of God, anointed songwriter, up and decided one day he just had an affection for men and left not only the ministry but left beautiful girls and his wife. So there's a champion, and I just use him. And but you, you can you can go through the rolodex of your mind, and there there's not a shortage of things. Or either you yourself can say that at one time this champion had stepped in and marked the victory in your life. And so this is what Satan is doing. He's walking and he's looking and I will quote this to you in a little while but there is a there is a champion that's doing all that he can because he has one he's he's lost to Jesus but he's one in a lot of people that that thought they were ready and thought they were right but they underestimated him. I don't give him credit and I don't give him glory, but you cannot underestimate him because, again, all he is here to do is just to see the people of God turn their back on God and seal their fate in a hell that was created for him. 
So he has a lot of victories, you see, church. And when you are facing this Goliath of a devil every day of your life, and you feel like, well, I don't have an option because I haven't seen prayers answered in a long time, and we have gone through so many battles, when somebody starts to talk to you about this, one of the first things we might say is, have you seen this man? Have you seen this addiction in my life? Have you seen this sickness? Have you seen this battle that, that we've lost as a family unit? Have you seen this, what we've gone through at work? Have you seen this, what I've had to deal with personally and emotionally? Have you seen this man? And see, that's what the devil does. He will come out, and before he throws the first lick at you or before he gets his sword out, he will start barking like a dog that can tear you alive. And if you don't know your God, that's again why the word is going to be promoted heavily in this message today. If you don't know your God, and I don't mean you've said the sinner's prayer the only way you can know your God is to sit down and eat with him every day of your life. At length, let me go ahead and say that, at length, whether you have to break it up or whether you have to listen to, listen to the Bible or a message while you're driving to work or an appointment or school or vacation or whatever in your car, you have to eat with him all of the time if you're going to know him because if you don't do that, then he sits back. And all he's got to do, he says, well, they're weak because they're nowhere in the word. And all he's got to do is yell. And just like all of the Israelites in the army, you will run and I will run too because I've done it many times. He never laid a finger on me, but he started running his japper right here and I just left. I just left. Well, I'm, I'm afraid. You know, I just better be quiet in my own business. So there's three things I'm going to tell you really quick. No points on the screen today. When he said, have you seen this man? When they went to David and said, have you seen this man? They were really saying, are you aware of the giant? Are you aware of the threat? Do you see his size? And I'm going to jump ahead and just tell you, the Bible never records that David ever processed the size of Goliath. Never. It's like when they said, have you seen this man? It's almost like it went in one ear and it came right out the other, went right over his head like he didn't hear a word they said. Have you seen this man? Have you heard this man? Do you know what he's been doing? And the major thing, more than scaring the army, he was defying God. I will say right here, right now, that if you do not get to a place or you are not at a place in your walk where you are not insulted, whether it's on TV or in music or in a movie, where they are blaspheming the name of your God, Jehovah God, there's a word deficit in your life. If it doesn't turn your stomach... When God is not being glorified. I just saw something the other day where they're coming out with a movie or a cartoon for children. And it's all about uh, 
a, a little girl being made pregnant by, it's a cartoon, I believe, uh, or a movie, being made pregnant by Satan. I'm saying not to the world, but church. Do you need a billboard? Do you need a, not, not you church, I'm just saying the body of Christ. And I say that a lot, but when I say that, I'm not talking about you. If I'm ever talking about you, I'll just say multitudes, okay? But I just wonder what else has to happen. Angie showed me in a magazine, a magazine yesterday. We were looking. She was looking. We were riding down the road. And it's, it's a, a, a play set like a child would have to cook in a kitchen or build things with. But this was a magic playset with a cauldron, a magic spell book, and all, all plastic toys. Well, I got my, I've done bought three of them for Christmas. What's wrong with it, Opie? Well, let me tell you. I, I hope that ain't nobody in here. Because the devil has been so good for so long, he can do just about anything now. And not only will we not get offended like David was, we will even go to bat and defend it or him. Have you seen this man? Have you heard what he's saying? And then this is a question David had to ask himself. I mean, you got to ask every day, I believe. Are you willing to confront this man right now? Because apparently for 40 days they hadn't done anything but hid and just heard him curse God and make fun of the only true living God. They did that over and over and over again. My Bible tells me David did not blink nor did he give it second thought. Because David knew this. It's death if I don't confront him but it's dynasty if I do what does that mean that mean and I just read it to you the Bible tells me that they told David the man that kills this Goliath this champion the man that kills him not only will he get great riches but this man will also get his daughter but you know what I think was the most appealing thing to David I think the thing that appealed to David, I just have to believe this, knowing just a little bit of Old Testament history, I think more than riches and more than a beautiful daughter that belonged to the king, I think when I read the latter part of verse 25, that the king will also make his father's house free in Israel. I believe that at that point, David said, let me at him. Let me explain to you why I believe that. You have to understand, thank you, you have to understand a little bit of that culture back then because what that meant, the house being made free in Israel, it means that, that his father's house, Jesse's, his house would no longer be under the taxation of the government. Well, what's the big deal with that? Well, if you've read the Bible at all, you know the custom and the culture back then, if people many times could not pay their taxes, they would take their children and turn them into slaves or they would sell them for slaves or sex slaves. They would take their wives and do the same thing. They would take their house. They would take their their agriculture, their livestock, they would take everything about it if they couldn't pay the tax. And I can only imagine living as the son 
of, uh, of a shepherd and being a shepherd boy himself, I can only imagine that year after year, the tension in that house of not being able, Jesse, his daddy walking around, as, as it got close to tax time again, I wonder if I'm gonna ha- if it's going to cost me one of my boys or a couple of my boys. I wonder if I'm going to lose my wife. I, I cannot imagine the-, the frustration and feeling strapped and really feeling like I'm in bondage in my house and-, and-, and not knowing what to do because, see, it wasn't like it was today. You could pick up the phone and get money from the government or go get a free phone from a tent somewhere. I- it-, it wasn't like, and I'm not trying to be funny or condescending. I'm just telling you. You have to know the culture back then to understand why I really believe that even if it cost him his life, he was going to do everything he could to make his daddy's house free once and for all because he was probably tired of living in a house full of bondage. And that's what Satan has kept doing since then. You may be here, you may be online, you may be listening six months from now, and you may not have a tax issue at all. But Satan is so good at what he does. He is able to create a bondage inside of your house, inside of your life. It might be a bondage to a television or pornography. It might be a bondage to being bitter. It might be a a bondage to there being animosity. It might be a bondage to yourself. It might be a bondage to just trying to keep up with everybody. It might be a bondage of being depressed or, or being discouraged all the time or just not knowing what to do on a daily basis because the demands of life, it might be some kind of bondage, but I'm telling you today that if there's men and women or even young students, boys and girls that are listening to me right now, there is a way that you can defeat the giant and bring freedom to your house, but you've got to get past a couple of things. And so that's what David did. I can't imagine what he did. The devil knows. I can't keep you out of church because the preacher sent a text yesterday to come and you're just kind of curious, so you need to go to church today. I know I can't stop that, but when you get home, don't you make no mistake because there's nothing wrong with those TV channels. There's nothing wrong with spending time on the Internet. There's nothing wrong with listening to this kind of music. There's nothing wrong with these shows. There's nothing wrong with lewd advertisement that's got all kind of uh, subliminal messages in it. I've already told you about that. But I'm telling you, we will go right back into a house. We think that it's free, but it's full of bondage. And it might be that there's so much animosity there that it feels like the tension. I can't wait to get out of here and go to school or go to work or just go in the yard. It may be a situation like that because the champion is not called the champion just because he wants to be called the champion. He's brought a lot of people down. He's tore up a lot of homes, and he's still doing it, and he's only increased the frequency and the pace because he knows the word, he knows the world, and he's doing all he can to keep houses and homes and families in so much bondage that they finally just implode or explode, and then it's over with just another statistic. Is everybody still listening today?
Because Jesus said this. He gives us hope in Mark 8 or 3 verse 27. He says, no man can enter a strong man's house and spoil his good. He can't destroy his marriage. He cannot come in and destroy his family. He can't destroy his relationship with his children. Can't destroy his relationship with God, his structured time of study and prayer and worship. A strong man in a strong house is a bad day in the neighborhood for the devil because he can't get in and do that because at one time that house may have been a house that was not free. But a strong man understands I got to be in the word. A strong woman understands I, I cannot look at all the signs around me all the time and ignore them because there is a devil out here and it's just been loose and I've just kind of been nonchalant because I'm not going to backslide. Let me tell you something. If you have not made changes to move closer to God, everybody listening, you're watching, if you have not making, had not been making progress to move closer to God as we get closer to the rapture of the church, there is a great, yes, I'm saying it today. There is a great, great, great possibility that you may have already backslidden. You just don't realize in what area. And I know many preachers wouldn't say that. But if I can't tell you the truth, we're wasting a lot of good time. Because this great weather outside today, amen. No man can enter a strong man's house and spoil his goods. He can't mess things up except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. So the devil has to come in and he has to just sit and watch until he sees you become more relaxed. Me and Angie talk about this all the time, relatives and just people we know from growing up in church, that at one time they had faces of flint. They were rock solid on fire from God, and today you would not know they were saved unless they told you. And people will tell you times have changed. That's one of the biggest lies hell's ever produced. Times don't have anything to do with God and his word. God holds time in his hand. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He don't change. His standards don't lower. His holiness doesn't get murky and compromised. God is the same, church. And I tell myself on a regular basis through reminding myself that if God required a standard before the blood of his son was shed on Calvary for people in Old Testament times, then how much more does he demand and expect and require me since he shed his blood on Calvary for me? You can't 
enter a strong man's house and get his goods unless you get him to back down off of his Bible reading, unless you can get him to justify why he's not in church. Every time, every time church is going on and it's over with, and I always like to make these statements after the week of prayer, and, and I know sometimes this derails it because people get focused on guilt and the Holy Ghost and conviction and take it out on me. And so they shut off the rest of the service. But I'm going to say it because I've been ordained to say it right now because God reminded me of this. It's funny how everybody has prayer requests. You know what I'm going to say next, don't you? I don't just mean our church. It's funny how everybody has prayer requests, but nobody has time to pray. Get with me, explain that to me. I'm going to say this too, because you, you're used to me saying it on a regular basis by now. God knows my heart. You bet your bottom dollar he does, but he's watching your rear end. And where it is at church time, at prayer time, at fasting time, at praying time. Yeah, he knows your heart. But he didn't send just the heart of his son to an old rugged tree. He sent his whole body to be filleted and sacrificed and tortured for me. And so the Bible tells me that unless I lower my guard... And I become lax instead of drawing closer to God in the life and, and making my life, my soul, my family, my house vulnerable. There's no way for a devil to get in and to spoil my goods. He can't do it. Except he comes in first and he gets me preoccupied. I'm going to keep it on me to, so everybody can have a break. Unless he keeps me, well, you know, we paid bills this week. Everything's going good. No major complaints. We had visitors and, you know, we had people to get saved and all that. I think I'll just back up a little bit this week. Unless he can talk me down from heavenly or heavily and passionately pursuing God, there's no way for him. To, I've locked him out, church. I've locked him out. I've locked him down. And he can't get in and do that unless I do something. This week, uh, one morning, and I'm going to try to hurry, but I want to tell you, if I don't get up when God lays something on my mind and write it down, then because I'm good at forgetting, as we've already discussed today, I, I lose it. I've lost songs, messages, thoughts, because I said, well, I'll remember it in the morning. Lie, big, big lie. This week, about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, I laid there for a long time, and God said, bats. I got up and wrote down bats. I knew what he's talking about because he'd went over this scenario with me. I wrote down bats, got up in the morning. Angie, where I was in the house, she said, you got a note on here on bats. We got bats in the house. Thought I need to have it sprayed. No, we don't have bats in the house. But as I was thinking and praying about this message, just laying in the bed, the Lord reminded me on one end of our house that every year we have our house pressure washed, usually after 
the pollen and all the algae on, you know, north side or whatever. And it never fell. Same place up in the eave behind some shutters. I never see them. Don't even know they're there. But my friend, the pressure washer guy, he will hold that pressure washer uh, one up there and he will spray. I hope this ain't TMI, but he will spray behind those, those shutters and a bat, two or three or four or five bats will come out and then what looks like just a brown river coming down the side of the house. Y'all know what that brown river is, right? Don't make me say it. Please don't make me say it. And then over under our carport, there was a weak place. I ain't going to tell you how weak it is. How weak it is. But there would be a bat or bats that would come under there at night. So I got a motion light to shine on them at first. They figured that out. It ain't that they really bothered me, but they would, okay, leave their filth from where they were just hanging around on the carport, have to do away with it on a regular basis, and sometimes it would leave stains. Where, where are you going with this? The devil is the same exact way as those bats are. You don't always see him, church. But if you don't do something about him, all he is going to do is to continue to just hang around your place and allow his filth to build up and just over time destroy your house, spiritually speaking, your home and your walk with the Lord because he don't bring anything good to the table. And you have to be proactive about this. You can't just say, well, I'm going to call Lynn and get him to come pressure wash them bats and my house is going to look good and then I won't have no more problem because it's not long because if you don't, when a house is left, when a spirit goes out of a house, the Bible says, that demon goes out and then he comes back later on and there's not been any spiritual growth and he sees that there's still a lot of room there. What he does, he goes and brings seven more of his friends because you didn't take advantage of that deliverance. When that pressure washer hits that house and it's clean, it's only a matter of time before, you know what? They come right back. But I'm going to say something good about YouTube. Not YouTube, but a lady on YouTube. Because I did everything under our carport. I did everything to try to get rid of the bats. I, shine, I, I would hold the light right there. I moved the light. I even put the light on a ladder to try to scare them. But as soon as you move the light or you keep it there long enough, they know that that's just a light. It ain't real. And they figure it out. But some sweet lady that has an Airbnb on YouTube said that she had, and it was a nice, like a, like a log cabin chalet up in the in the peak, way high. You see, the devil tries to always get out of reach, thinking that, well, you just get used to it and leave him alone because it ain't right there where you can just kick him a lot of times. And so he'll do his dirty work way high. And this lady said something. And by the way, 
If you got a bat problem, this is free for you. You don't even have to Google or YouTube it. The preacher's telling you today. She said, I just took some fishing line and I put it on a board and I just nailed the board. I just made them about a foot long. Um, and somebody like Reggie's going to say, well, was it monofilament or was it a braid? It's fishing line. Fluorocarbon, fishing line. And I just hung several little strands right there. And apparently the bat or bats, they don't like their wings to get tangled up in that fishing line. Folks, I put a few strands up there around where they'd be coming in that carport. Gone. G-O-N-E, gone. The point there is that there comes a time when you have to understand the devil is not going to get spooked away out of your life and quit causing problems because you went to one good church service or you did go to prayer every night or you paid your tithe consistently or you prayed and prayed and prayed. The devil said, well, I'm just going to wait and I'll come back and check later. And if they hadn't kept that up, staying in the Word close to God, then they thought it was hell before. I'm about to bring some more boys in here and we're really going to shake things up. That's the way he works, church. So just like the fishing line, you can't stop at church attendance. You can't stop at a devotion in the morning. You've got to understand when you stop and you consider everything in your house innocent or everything in your daily life, it's not really a big deal. I mean, I don't cuss. I mean, I don't drink or do drugs. You've got to understand that he will look at every little crack in your day and that's where he'll come in and he'll just start hanging around. And we've got to get closer to God, not see how close we can get because with the help of a lot of preachers that are not really called of God, but it's an occupation, they've convinced a lot of the churchgoers in the world today that it, because of a new redefined grace, you can get as close as you want to sin and you're still going to go to heaven. But here's the news headline today. If you don't love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you can't pick up your cross and follow him because the neon signs of the world are too bright. You're not going to go in the rapture. I said it right here, right now. Rewind it, play it over and over again. For all your theological friends, you're not going in. Jesus didn't die on the cross to be married to a bunch of adulterer-looking Christians. He didn't do it, church. You've got to choose today who you're going to serve and quit giving him a break. And right during the middle of all this, I read a wonderful, wonderful devotional out of a, a Billy Graham devotion that I share with you. And, and I just thought this might help you if nothing that's been said will help you. But it's about families of faith. See, the only thing Satan's got now, church, He's got the world. He's got the world working for him. He's even got a lot of people that are not really called of God working for him. So the only thing he has is homes, families, and the church. Did y'all hear me? He's got the businesses. He's got the education. He definitely has the entertainment. He's got what you would consider as government and politics. He has that. I still say that's the biggest Ponzi scheme man has ever known is people to really believe that there's actually politics 
in America and in the world. That offends a lot of people that's more patriotic than Christ-like or Christian. But it's the truth. It's just high, very high-paid actors that has red or blue. And they just appeal to whatever audience they know chases that way of thinking. But, it, but it's all a huge facade. And people have bought it. Because don't you think that the Word of God is not true when the Lord said... The love of money is the root of all evil. Somebody wasn't here the other week when I said it. Do you know what the word all means in the Greek and the Hebrew, believe it or not, both? Do you know what the word all means in both of those? All. The love of money. So everything. In the world is driven by money. It is. I tell you what, if you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, this is just a great way of illustrating it until you can, be, until you can believe the Bible, not me. Just the next week, go tell your supervisor or whoever, just say, look, I just like y'all, I like this place, and I'm going to come do my regular job, and you don't have to give me a dime. All of a sudden, that's funny, ain't it, and all that. It's really funny. You do it because there's money attached to it. If not, you're going to stay at the house and do something. And this, this devotional right here says, through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. That's Proverbs 24.3, by the way. The family is the most important institution in the world. It was God's idea in the first place. It was not the invention of sociologists or economists or government bureaucrats who decided it would make society operate more smoothly. Families existed before cities and governments, before written languages, nations, temples, and churches. In the home, character and integrity are formed. Values are made clear and goals are set. These last a lifetime... And if they aren't formed correctly, that too will result in a pattern, bad patterns that last a lifetime if God doesn't intervene. Today, Satan is attacking the family as never before. But what are our defenses against such attacks? As always, our best defense is the Word of God. Read the Bible together as a family, have family devotions. Pray for one another daily by name. Be on guard against the forces that tend to pull families apart today. And most of all, commit your marriage to Christ and make him the center of your home and your life. And there's always a little section at the bottom that says hope for today. With every new invention and technological advance, uh, advancement, time and attention are being taken away from the family, the lack of togetherness weakens the foundation and faith of the family unit. So what is the state of your family? And you got to remember that God chose David in the first place because he said he's a man after my own heart. And I'm going to talk about, I'm going to, I'm going to do this part quickly. And I know you say, oh, really? But you got an extra hour. And I heard more than one preacher say, 
we get an extra hour to preach tomorrow. I did. I, Angie even showed me where one pastor just said we did. David was a man after God's own heart. His heart. He was after God's heart. Not after God's name in lights. Not after a, a position right beside God. Not after a mega kingship. David was a man after God's own heart. God said that. And you've got to know, this is why the Bible, and I'm about to tie this into the text commercial a while ago. You've got to know this, that you are a product of what you eat spiritually. If you listen to worldly music, if you listen and watch things that you just brush off as innocent and okay, uh, or just loose talking, or you're not really proactive with everything you do, if you don't filter it through God, through the Word, then it's going to affect your heart. What goes into a man's heart, Jesus said, that's what determines what he does outwardly. And it matters. It's about like, now you know I got two grandbabies. But way before I had grandbabies, I, I heard this a long time ago. It doesn't matter. But they're picky eaters, and, and, and we got two, well, one that is, one that is off and on ain't. But way back before then, I heard people say, oh, if you can get them to eat, it don't matter. It don't matter. As long as they'll eat, you, you just you just get, I don't care what it is, if you got to give them the same thing every day. If they will eat, give them that. Well, let me ask you a question. Let's Take that stupidity and let's apply that with your vehicle, okay? Let's walk around to the gas tank for a minute and open it up. Hey, if it'll drink it, it don't matter. What, as long as it'll go in there, let's put it. If we do it every day, it don't matter. If, the, if, it don't want, if we can't put gas in there today, don't worry. Let's just go get some water. Let's just go get some turpentine. I don't care if it's gasoline. Let's, we got some diesel over here. That's funny, that's crazy, that's foolish because all of you with a little bit of an IQ, it don't even take much of an IQ, you know what the results of that is, amen? That's it for that vehicle. But we do that and we don't realize, I don't realize that I do that. It matters what goes into my heart. It matters what goes into my head. It matters what I do with the time that God has given me. I, I think it was during prayer one night this week. I just had to repent. It hit me. God, forgive me for not redeeming the time that you've given me. I know since 1984 when I wrapped a car around a pine tree in Rockingham. I know I've preached a long time. I know I've been a part of this church since it started and all the other things that I've done, but I haven't redeemed the time like God's given me time. I haven't done it. We get slack. And this is a lie from Satan when we think that it don't matter what you do. You went to church last month, man. Come on. Life is short. He's telling you the truth in a different way when he says life is short. But Matthew 4, 4 said, 
That's why that's a lie. It matters what you do every day of your life with the time that you've been given. Because Jesus told Jesus now, none other than Satan himself, Jesus says this. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So, it's not what I'm doing every day. It's not what I'm listening to. It's not my schedule. It's not my habits. It's not my routine. That's not, that is not the thing that sustains me. Can I tell you how many people who had all that and more that took their own life? The Word of God is the only thing that you can live by every day and that will hold you up in the middle of a storm even when your house is under attack from hell. It's just the Word of God, church. That's why we're starting this the Bible reading together this week. If, if you have text here at this church, and we'll put the screen back up, uh, the, the, the address for you to get it, starting today, all this week through Saturday, we're reading a chapter uh, together a day. And after today, after Romans 12, you get it tonight, you're going to get it in the morning. Don't nobody be posting stuff. He sent us a text at 8 o'clock in the morning. That's because I want you to read it as soon as you can because it tells you about some Old Testament people as well as Jesus, how they early in the morning, they didn't do anything until they spent time with God. And I think that's where the devil gets a lot of our attention at. And that's where he gets a lot of his traction at because we so ramped up and amped up by a feed or something like that and it's already got us thinking negatively or we're upset or it's got us rushing. I mean, I'm talking to me. I have to, I have to very, very intentionally walk by my phone in the morning. I've told you this. And not take it downstairs when I do my devotion. And I'll justify it. Well, I, I'll forget. And I need it to put. God said, leave your phone up here. Because it'll distract me. Even if it's on silent or do not disturb, it'll flash. It's broken my concentration. And it's gotten bed with me for a minute. And I've had to tell God to get out for a minute. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Peter said, 1 Peter 5 eight. Be sober. That's why we prayed for an awakening a while ago. Be sober. Be vigilant. Quit waiting on the devil to keep throwing darts. Be vigilant. I love the story that the Bible says that David, after he found out and he refused the equipment and he just got the five stones you know about in the sling, the Bible said that David ran head long toward Goliath. He didn't sit there and wait on him. He knew that there was a lot on the line that he was about to receive and he couldn't get it quick enough. He ran toward that nine foot giant. You've got to be sober. You've got to be vigilant because your devil, your, your adversary, the devil, he's as, as, as a roaring lion seeking and walking about just looking for whom he can devour. In closing, this is what the devil does to get into your house, to get into your head, to get into your heart. He starts off, and the Bible makes it plain in this one passage. Everybody say, roaring lion. All he's doing is roaring. 
He's making a noise. He's not touching you. You can't even feel his breath. He's just roaring. Squawk box, just roaring. Oh, it's going to be bad. He's roaring. You're going to feel worse tomorrow. You can't start doing that. Oh, you're not going to get along. They're not, they hadn't uh, called you back because they hate your guts. He's roaring. You're going to get a bad report. You might as well go on and get depressed right now. He's roaring. It's never going to work. God's never going to heal you. God's never going to fix it. It's never going to work. You're never going to get pregnant. Heard a praise report yesterday about that. He is a roaring lion. He walks about wanting you to think as a roaring lion. He just tries to intimidate. Seeking, the Bible says, that's the next thing he's doing. He, seeking means after he's roared, he's looking to see if it worked. Did you take the bait? Did you, did you bite the roar? Did you believe the Did you buy into the roar? Has he, has he, has he roared at anybody this week besides me? Y'all bless. Y'all living good, man. Maybe you need to preach next week. I'm fighting all the hell. Y'all need to preach. He's roaring big time. Everywhere I turn, he's roaring, he's roaring, he's roaring. But I'm praying because I ain't letting him know. Look over here, you're going to find me on my knees. Roar all you want to, big boy. I'm praying. I'm seeking God while he may be found. The Bible says also, he's roaring. He's seeking to see if you're going to take the bait. And then he's just wanting to devour. That means he's just making it very clear to you what his end goal is, what all this plan is about. And Satan, I rebuke you in Jesus' name right now. You are a liar, unclean, foul, distracting spirit. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You must leave. We're the people of God. I know that the problem in your house might not be taxes. You may not have an addiction problem. You may have the most respectful children in the world that do everything, sing the praises of Jesus and quote the Bible all day long. It might be great in your marriage. It might be good in your work world. The devil keeps enticing you, maybe something 10, 11 years ago, and every now and then it'll rear its head up. That's a roar. It's a roar. It's a roar. And God just sent me one more Sunday to let everybody inside of the church as well as outside of the church to know that if you are willing to confront the devil, your house can be free. Your house can be free. But you can't do like everybody else because everybody else runs. Everybody else goes and hides and just talks and posts about, have you seen how bad he is? 
Uh, you've seen how big he is. But there's somebody that's hungry. In the house right now, there's somebody that's hungry, and you want to go and take him out right now because you know what he's done. And you see what he can do. I want you to stand so we can pray together. If you diligently seek the Lord, please hear me, church. Don't seek the world. Don't seek the culture. Don't seek the climate right now that the culture is telling us. Don't buy into the lies. The Bible says if you seek the Lord diligently, he will reward you. Lord, I know today that one of the things that Satan hates the most is exposure, Lord. Because when we expose him, then the Holy Spirit is able to help us just by exposing him. So, Lord, I'm asking you to help everybody that has ears to hear right now for us to search our heart. He never shows us the last page in his book because it's always a massacre. It's always a dead, dead end that many people can't recover from. And, Lord, this preacher knows that. Before we end our broadcast today, I just want to ask you a simple question. Do you know Jesus Christ? Not do you go to church, not do you have a cross in your home, but do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, meaning that you realize you were born into a world of sin and you are a sinner, and you violated the law of God and you've stored up wrath, and for that, you feel bad and so bad that you've asked him to forgive you and you've changed your way of living to reflect following Christ. If you haven't done that, that's exactly what this entire broadcast is about. It's not about a bunch of people or a bunch of money or attending our church, but it's asking you this question, are you ready to meet the Lord face to face and give an account for your life. If you have not done that, or you're not sure, we need to pray right now. And the prayer doesn't have to be a lengthy prayer or an intelligent prayer, but it has to be a prayer of faith from your heart. And you have to pray. You can pray in your own words, but you must realize during the course of your prayer that without the forgiveness of God Almighty, that there is no way you'll have peace with God now or for all eternity. So I want to pray for you. God, I pray for every person listening right now. Lord, that they would understand that it's not your will for any to perish, but for all to have everlasting life. And I'm asking you, oh God, to help my friends right now that may be praying to know that you are waiting. You stand at the door. You said in Revelation 3, you stand at the door and knock. You're waiting on us, Lord. And help them to know, Lord, when they call on you, 
that they can be saved and they will be saved when they pray from their heart and they make up their mind that they're going to follow you. Friend, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, you are now a child of the Most High God. Not only do you have an advocate, not only do you have a friend right now that sticks closer than a brother, but you've got the hope of heaven one day. And for that, I am so glad. If you prayed that prayer today, why don't you just take just a moment, if you don't mind, and uh, reach out to us at multitudeschurch.com forward slash uh, saved, S-A-V-E-D. Or you can send us the, a text that just says saved to 910-400-1199. That's the word saved to 910-411199. Listen, we'd like to help you out on your journey. And there's no strings attached. We just want you to know we're trying to finish our course and fulfill the Great Commission, and you're part of that. So let us pray for you. And if you have any kind of prayer request, why don't you uh, share that with us? Uh, we will not reach back out to you and ask you for anything, uh, but you're welcome to email us and let us know what your prayer need is right now. And that's just a simple email uh, to prayer at multitudeschurch.com. Thank you again for being a part of our broadcast, and we look forward to seeing you in heaven one day for all eternity. Thank you for being a part of our broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church or to watch entire services, please visit us online at multitudeschurch.com. You can also find us on most social media platforms.